0: Welcome to No More Mondays, the podcast that helps you navigate career challenges through the wisdom of professionals who have been at the same crossroads. I'm your host Angie Callen and I welcome you to join me each week as I chat with leaders, entrepreneurs, and employees who are here to share practical, tactical advice and some inspiration on how they arrived at career satisfaction. From job searching and career changes to going out on your own, We're breaking down barriers and providing actionable takeaways to help you take charge of your Mondays and ditch the Sunday blues. Welcome to the No More Mondays movement. Welcome to an encore edition of No More Mondays as we share some exciting updates from our friends Chris Finucci and Sam Citro-Alexander, co-founders of BiteWell. This second encore edition is part two of BiteWell's founding story and features Sam Citro-Alexander. This food tech startup is doing big things to bring healthy food to homes across America, and they just launched in a new market in Dallas, so they're in a second city here in the U.S., and we couldn't be happier for them as they grow and expand. We thought the best way to celebrate was to give them an encore playing of their two episodes so you can hear their stories, learn about Bitewell, and keep an eye out for this service launching in a city near you soon because these guys are rapidly expanding into new markets on the regular. I hope you enjoy this encore edition of No More Mondays. Congrats, Chris and Sam. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the No More Mondays podcast. I'm your host, Angie Callen, and today we are welcoming Samantha Citro-Alexander, to a show called The Beauty of Being a Boss. If you've been anxiously awaiting part two of the BiteWell story, we're here to deliver, as Sam is currently partnering with Chris Finucci from our Food for Thought episode to build a food tech startup focused on simplifying healthy eating. Before joining the founding team of BiteWell, Sam worked as the chief of staff at the Estee Lauder company, there's a name every woman in America knows, And so she has figured out how to stand out in the professional world with leadership positions at Smashbox in LA, Bridgewater Associates, and other private equity firms. Sam has built upon her roots in the indie beauty industry in an inspiring way, and I am so excited for all of you to hear her story and learn from her. Sam, welcome to No More Mondays. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. You're welcome. Uh, you When when we set out in season three to really talk about people who have kind of made waves or made their way on that like more traditional corporate ladder, and you came our way, I was like, oh my gosh, this is like so exciting because you've had roles that are of really big interest out in the market right now and at companies that people know really well. And so it's going to be fun to get to know your journey. But let's start with BiteWell. Tell us a little bit more about What the technology is doing and what it's like to be kind of part of that founding team and what you're up to there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, Bitewell is the world's first fully shoppable meal planning platform. And that means so many things to us, but probably nothing to anyone else right now because the technology that is powering us is so new um, and it doesn't exist in the world. So, the best way to explain it is like, If the meal planning and calorie counting and macro tracking abilities of MyFitnessPal got married to the deliverability of Uber Eats and Instacart and all of those great food delivery platforms, that baby that they would have together is BiteWell. So we essentially take all of these awesome inputs about you, your health, your nutrition goals, your allergies, your dietary preferences, the list goes on. Our proprietary AI then connects that with deliverable food near you restaurant meals, recipes, groceries, meal kits and we build a meal plan that fits seamlessly into your life and allow you to order everything through Bitewell's platform.
0: Sign me up also you've never seen, you haven't said that once twice or a thousand times in the last year or so have you No well zero zero times. <laughs> That's like, learn from that elevator pitch. So this is really interesting because obviously health and wellness became even more at the forefront at a time when also like food delivery became such a big
1: deal. So this is like a really smart baby to have in the tech space right now. Thank you. We think so too. Um, And funnily enough, the idea, the spark for BiteWell happened pre-2020, just from living everyday life. My co-founder, Chris, was flying around doing biz dev for some of his other businesses, he would land in a city and try to figure out what was right to eat near him, something that wouldn't derail his health goals. And he would end up defaulting to like pizza or something easy because there was no platform that could connect him with the right food for his body. And so that's where the journey began. And it has really just like snowballed and evolved and changed um, and grown over the past, 2 years. As you kind of enable this healthy lifestyle for busy people
0: like us, I'm wondering what your number one tip is for helping people stay healthy when we're on the go and have
1: busy lives and jobs. I would say when in doubt, stick to the plan. So, what's been really helpful for me because my I don't have a schedule that's set. I used to, and I think we'll probably talk about that, but like there was a time in my life where my schedule was very set. Get up, go to work, do these things, leave work, come home cook dinner. And now every day is different. Some days I start at 6am. Some days I don't have a call until 11. And so having a plan, and for me, I do it through BiteWell, um, but truly you could do it however you want. You can write it down on a piece of paper. You can put it on a calendar on your refrigerator. Just having a plan of like, okay, for breakfast, I'm having this. For lunch, I'm having this. For dinner, I'm having this. Prepped and ready to go. And just stick to it as best as you possibly can. One of the reasons I was really excited to have you on this
0: show is because you found a way to navigate and succeed in these really big companies, really recognizable. But also some of the roles you had are really interesting, specifically the chief of staff role that I think you had at least one, two companies. (laughs) It's a really hot and trending position right now in the market that people are really seeking um, and so I feel like this is something our listeners are really going to enjoy hearing about. So talk to us more about how your career went from counter to chief of staff before you well
1: even came on the scene. I'll give you the condensed version. I graduated from NYU Tisch with an acting degree. Got a really awesome opportunity to travel the country in a tour. And uh, what should have been a very exciting opportunity for me was not. Um, and I realized at that moment that acting was not the career that I wanted to pursue for the rest of my life, through a very fortuitous circumstance and a really good friend, I was connected to my first job outside of school with a great indie beauty company called Juara Skincare, and I started off working at the counter. Um, they were a startup team of like three and a half people, and I became the other half person that made it four. And um, I would walk into different pharmacies and small um, shops in New York and show people the product and get them to buy it. And that was my first job out of school. And I had no idea what I was doing or why I was doing it or where I was going to go from there. And after a couple of months of doing that and getting to know the team better, they were moving their office and they needed help packing up boxes. And I was like, sure, I'll absolutely help. So I went to the apartment, I started packing up boxes. And if you know me, you know that I love organization. So I started organizing everything into little you know, groups and piles before I packed them in the box. And the founder looked at me and was like, you could be useful. We sh- <laughs> we should do something with you. The founder and uh, the woman who was the director of brand strategy, Nania Yusufir, the VP of brand strategy, who has now become a lifelong friend, saw something in me and brought me into the office a couple of days a week. They had me start... Um, by creating their social accounts. And then I ran the website and then I did some sales and some product development and some marketing. And then they ended up sending me to um, Southeast Asia. I went to Singapore and Indonesia to learn from the team that the beauty brand had roots there and to learn about Jammu, which was the medicinal uh, healing art that uh, inspired the brand. It brought me back. Anyway, my career really blossomed there in a way that I could never have expected. And I found that I was really, really interested in marketing, in storytelling, and in sales. And so at that point, I thought, okay, Sam, with your acting degree, you should probably go back to school, maybe get an MBA or a degree that has something to do with what you think you're going to do for the rest of your life. And in the process of looking for an MBA program and kind of vetting that process, Bridgewater reached out to me. They, like non-traditional candidates, I went in, I went through the interview process Um, I actually wasn't going to take the interview, but my husband works in finance. And he was like, if you have the opportunity to interview there, you should at least just do it for the experience of interviewing there. Thanks, honey. Good advice. (laughs) Thank you. I went, I interviewed, I fell in love with the culture of the place, and I spent time there. And that was my first uh, chief of staff type position. So I worked in research analytics, and I worked as a management partner alongside the heads of research. It's a role that is somewhat somewhat particular to the place, but has a lot of similarities to other chief of staff roles outside in the world. Because you yourself are not the subject matter expert, but you are the support structure for the subject matter expert so they can sparkle and shine and do the thing that they do best. Probably where I first started to learn about the idea of a chief of staff, the chief of staff role... And how fulfilling it can be and how beautiful it can be when there's a great relationship between the subject matter expert and the chief of staff, and they can work together symbiotically to bring the company forward. But I really missed beauty. I missed consumer. Um, I missed storytelling. I missed a lot of the things that I was doing in my last role, and I had taken a complete pivot. So I went back. I worked for a small private equity firm that invested in beauty brands. I ran one of their brands alongside the founder for a little bit of time. And then I um, had this great opportunity at Estee Lauder companies with Clinique. I came into Clinique as the chief of staff for um, Jenny Belknap, who's the CMO at the time. Um, I worked under her for a few months and then she got an awesome promotion and went to run the North America business. And I was like, what's gonna happen to me? Again, very fortuitously, Jane Lauder, who was the brand president at the time, decided to take me on as her chief of staff. And so I continued doing the work that I was doing in the marketing space, but expanded that purview across the entire brand and really worked side by side with her for a while, building the Clinique business and leading a lot of process and strategy and operations work on the brand. So that was also a wonderful experience. I as I'm talking about it, I'm like, how did I do? I'm not 30. I'm not even 30. How did I do all of these things
0: already? I think that's a great message. And actually, because <laughs> everybody can't see you and they realize how young you are, there's there's a because you're in that. uh, I guess you're millennial. Are you millennial? You're young. I'm a millennial. millennial. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's. I talk to a lot of young people who have that feeling like they've got to have it all figured out and they get caught up in this analysis paralysis of, I have to make this very perfect move as I enter the professional world. You're a perfect example of, how I almost had nothing figured out. And I mean that in the most complimentary way because it actually helped you then go try a few things, land somewhere, take advantage of an open door, fall into good mentorship opportunities, which I want to talk more about in a minute. And kind of like test a few things to see what you really had an affinity for. And what I think is so ironic about it is that love of kind of storytelling and the creativity of marketing does the acting degree and the communication
1: skills and the articism of that total justice. Like to say, I have done um, a lot of work with America Needs You, which is a great organization that helps first generation college students. And whenever I'm talking to them, there is that anxiety of like, I don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life. How do I figure this out? And I'm like, look, I still don't know what I want to do for the rest of my life. I think with BiteWell, I'm closer. I think I'll be working on BiteWell for, you know, at least the next decade, I hope. What has been helpful for me is to just follow my curiosity And in every opportunity, I um, assess it at face value and say, "Okay, if I go and do this, am I adding tools to my tool belt or am I doing more of the same? And for me, the way that I've decided to optimize my career is assembling the largest tool belt that I possibly can so that as I get into later stages of life, I can have multiple lives and multiple reinventions and continue to learn and grow. The other thing I think is just really interesting in there is is how
0: you kind of were at that fork in the road of going MBA because it felt like something, I'm guessing at the time, it felt like something you needed to add validity to where you wanted to go. Mm -hmm. And then the professional world just took you in another track and you've been able to do everything that you would have done with an MBA, if not more, simply by getting the real world experience. So it's what I have called myself. I have an RW MBA. And it hasn't been limiting. And I think that that's, I talk to a lot of people who have that like imposter syndrome around education, or they feel like mm-hmm. I have to go do this huge investment of school in order to get where I want to go. But you're real proof that you you don't.
1: Thank you. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think going back for your MBA or, or additional schooling can be really great if that's, it's a different type of learning. And for me, classroom learning has never, I mean, I was a good student, but I didn't really enjoy classroom learning. I like got through it so that I could go do other stuff. And so for me, it was like, why go back to school and pay a whole bunch of money to learn in an environment that isn't the right learning environment for me. Uh, this is so cool. Cause this is something
0: we're highlighting on this season is, you know, how, where, where, how has it helped? How's mentorship impacted your career and how has it helped you get here today? And in my observation, that's totally related to the big break. So talk to me a little bit about how that has shaped this path for you.
1: Early in my career, so in the Juara days, I fell into mentorship, and I like to call it uh, internal career advocacy because I think when you land in a place, in a new role, wherever it is, whether it's a large corporation or a small business, your number one, maybe not number one, but high up on the list, objective should be to find an advocate or a mentor or a combination of those things who can really help to guide your path at the organization that you're in. But I think there's a difference between a mentor who is really focused on you as a person, you as a professional throughout many organizations and the the path of your career versus you and your advocate who is focused on your journey through the corporation that you're in. And I've had wonderful mentors and I've also had wonderful advocates. And my first advocate was also, is also my lifelong mentor, Nadia. Um, and so... I was very lucky that she saw something in me at Juara. She decided to you know, bring me on, take me under her wing, and really help guide me through that organization. Then when I landed at Bridgewater, one of the biggest reasons why I took the role was because of the woman who interviewed me, who ended up being my manager, Anna Harmon, who again became a huge advocate for me within the organization and a lifelong mentor after. Um, and Anna has left and gone on to start her own company called Studs, and she's amazing. And um, I have had so many positive female influences in my career, both advocates and mentors. And then when I landed at Estee Water Companies, Jenny was my first advocate, um, and she really helped to position me to be ready to take on this chief of staff role for Jane. And then Jane became my next advocate and many, many others um, who came through through time, but really finding that person who believes in you and believes in your journey in the organization was key.
0: And I think when you are willing to show your strengths, you went into a place and just started doing what you do instead of trying to like limit yourself only to the, to the role you were given or to whatever box they wanted to put you in, that's when somebody saw something in you that triggered this whole domino effect since then. And, and that's where I like the message there is don't feel like you have to play it safe when you're in an opportunity because people will see things in you when you kind of start painting outside the lines and exercising whatever your you you know unique value to that
1: job is. Absolutely. And I think I was trying as you were saying that I was trying to think if this was true and I think it is. I have never taken a job that has previously existed before I occupied the seat.
0: Oh, that's so that's there's your you found your sweet spot creating roles. There's the organizational skills and figuring out how to create that structure around a role that will support, you know, whatever those operations are. Yep. You know that about yourself now, which is really cool. Yeah.
1: And now a word from our sponsor.
0: This episode of No More Mondays is brought to you by Athletic Greens. As many of you know, I live a very active lifestyle here in the Colorado Rockies, and I'm also gluten free. So I started taking AG1 because I wanted a quick and easy way to support my gut health and my immunity. I also love a good routine, and AG1 makes it easy to get my daily dose of vitamins. I just pop a scoop in a blender bottle, shake it up, and I get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and superfoods during my 22-minute drive to CrossFit. The bonus, not only do I feel great during my early morning workout, I sleep better and I have more mental clarity, all without breaking the bank because this is just $3 a day. As a climate neutral certified company, I can also feel good about that 3 bucks going somewhere meaningful. We're partnering with Athletic Greens to make it easy for you to stock up. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free 1-year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and 5 free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com/emerging. Again, that's athleticgreens.com/emerging to take ownership of your health and pick the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Yes. And there was also, I wanted to talk about, there was, I, there, I think this was an initiative that you and Jane Lauder did together, was the uh, Women in Leadership, the, the beauty of being a boss. And you've mentioned a few things that really fall into kind of a passion around that. So tell me a little bit more about that initiative.
1: Yeah. So that initiative, um, we, I actually did when I moved over to Smashbox. So I left Clinique. I knew that I wanted to live in LA. It was like a lifelong, I need to live on the West Coast call. And I was ready to move out of uh, Jane's chief of staff role. And there was this great, there is a great leader at Smashbox. She was leading the marketing team for North America at the time. And now she's leading the entire North America business, uh, Kimberly Vitoro. And I wanted to go work with her. There was a role opening up that they were just creating. Again, like this theme continues. They were just creating this role of the um, consumer engagement director, And I went over and I took that role. And one of the things that we worked on together was this awesome program called Hefacon. And it was really to celebrate several things, but we underscored it with the beauty of being a boss. Smashbox, being an LA brand, has a um, huge Latina following. And we really wanted to support specifically female entrepreneurship for Latinas. And so that is how that program developed. We worked with two amazing, amazing female entrepreneurs, Patty Delgado and Julie Soprato, to pull that program together. And what was meant to be a, you know, several thousand people in person, huge conference like BeautyCon or Comic Con, but for the beauty of being a boss, right? For entrepreneurship ended up having to completely change because it was meant to take place in um, mid 2020. And we turned it into a virtual conference, which ended up being a blessing in disguise because we were able to reach even more thousands of women. I think it was this perfect storm of being inspired by all of these amazing women who had left their corporate structure environments and gone out to start their own businesses, paired with the fortuitous timing of me meeting Chris and my own personal passion around food and nutrition that all created this perfect storm for me to be ready to leave structure and go start my own company.
0: And I, I love talking about employee to entrepreneurship transitions. And essentially, that's what you did. And it kind of appeared at exactly the right time. Both that idea of wanting to go more into something that had that uh, entrepreneurial Aspect to it that brings me to the question: Like, how do you stay productive? How have you created structure as you've moved from like forced structure and accountability into what the chaos of being an entrepreneur and founder looks like?
1: Okay, well, I would say that um, the first year was really tough, and it's just been in the past couple of months that I feel like I'm hitting my founder entrepreneur stride because and I know this is sort of different from the question that you asked but I will circle back to the very actionable action oriented question that you asked but what I didn't expect to happen to me is after having a very successful career um I was bringing in my own income I could you know go buy a pair of shoes whenever I wanted to like I was very comfortable um And I didn't realize how much of myself I had tied to that type of success. And when I left and started working on BiteWell and, you know, no salary, I wasn't paying myself. We were a team of like zero people. I was doing everything from, you know, the things that I love doing to accounting, like crazy, a crazy wide breadth of things. And we were in this place where I went from going I work at Estee Lauder companies and everyone's saying, oh, I know exactly what that is. That makes, that means something to me too. I'm starting this company called Bitewell and people going, uh, okay. Um, I didn't expect that to affect me as much as it did. And so it really took a long time for me to find, um, my new stride and my new reason for, um, loving myself as a professional, um, And that pivots into how I have created a productive structure for myself. So I think it took me all of that time to realize that and to appreciate um, some of the different aspects of myself as an entrepreneur. And now I have created a uh, wellness practice for myself that I follow and I really stick to it. So in the past, my structure had been you know, created for me by different companies and organizations. And so now I um have a wellness practice every morning, I meditate. That has been life-changing for me. I sit, I drink my coffee, I like take time to to think and to just be a person. And then I launch into the day. And that day looks different every day. Like I said, sometimes that practice happens at Five o'clock in the morning because I have a six o'clock in the morning call with our development team in another country, and sometimes that practice happens at my much preferred hour of nine a.m. because I'm not a morning person, <laughs> um, and, and that's perfectly okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm a huge I'm a huge fan of of the
0: cliche morning routine. However, I don't I do not subscribe to the some methodology that it has to be done at four a.m. because I, totally I also not. do not do four a.m. I do five. Four a.m. is a completely
1: different hour of the day than five. <laughs> So no one wants to talk to me before 10 a.m. I promise. No one. Sometimes people <laughs> have to, but no one wants to. No one wants to. <laughs> um, but anyway, so after that, the day goes crazy and it, and it is whatever it is. And I, you know, have a combination of uh, proactive actions that I know I want to get done and reactive actions that have to get done. Um And then the capstone of that first part of the day is always making dinner. I always stop, whether, again, time changes, but whether it's at like 5.30, which is very early, it's never at 5.30, whether it's at 6.30 or 9 p.m., I stop, I make dinner for myself and my husband. That is my routine and I love it. And cooking brings me such joy and it gives me space to recalibrate. And then I usually launch back in. Realistically, like I usually work, uh, a pretty long day and then I work a couple of hours at night. That piece about losing your identity is so real. When I decided to take this leap and become an entrepreneur, everyone told me how great it was going to be and that it was going to be hard, but no one said anything about this, about this massive identity crisis that you might have. And then afterward, now that I've spent time reflecting and have kind of gotten to the other side and am now comfortable talking about it, whenever I bring it up, they're like, oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that happened to me too. So let's, I want to learn a little
0: bit more about you. We're getting into very interesting layers of Sam. So we're going to play a little game that helps us get to know you and what further rounds you out. And don't worry, they're not, they're not hard, but you're going to love it. Cause I ask a lot of food questions. You ready to pay, play a little round of rapid fire? Absolutely. Let's do it. Okay. Question number one, and this is funny, I almost decided to take it out just because you have a, such a healthy lifestyle, but I'm going to put it in because I know sometimes you eat either a hot dog or a hamburger. Which one? Hamburger. Uh, what is your most memorable travel destination? Mm. Bali.
1: Ooh. Why? Because I went there, okay, I went there for work, um, but the woman that I was working for is Indonesian. And so my experience was very local um, and I spent a lot of time learning about their food culture and medicinal culture. And it was amazing. Okay. Give us a great book recommendation. Oh my goodness. Uh, Hmm. I have so many. Okay. There's a book name that is on the tip of my tongue and I can see the cover. Maybe you know it. I'm just going to describe it to you. Okay. I'm the worst with names. This is okay. a sub, this will be a sub game. Okay. Can Angie guess game. Sam's book? Let's go. I'm going to describe it to you. Okay. It's about a woman who lived in the bayou and she like had no family. Is her this family the Crawdaddy's book? Yes. Where the Crawdads okay. Sing. Where okay. the Crawdads cool. Sing. Okay, cool. We got it. Uh, all
0: right. So give us a favorite snack. You can, you can make it a guilty pleasure if you would like, but what's a great snack that you kind of go to?
1: My favorite snack is apples, cheese, and nuts.
0: Uh, I'm wondering if you play board games and would like to throw out a cool board game.
1: Yeah, of course. I love board games. Um, okay, this is random. We bought this over Thanksgiving. It is a blockbuster-themed board game. Ooh. And it comes in... Do you remember those blockbuster... Um, video covers that they had those plasticky ones it comes in one of those oh cool oh it's great it's just full nostalgia so blockbuster game go find it
0: uh i'm a big fan of old school trivial pursuit so i have a feeling that's like the the modern version of it love it yes and other than no more mondays of course
1: what's a great podcast that you listen to my favorite podcast to just turn on is Whitney Cummings's podcast. And I just let her rattle on in the background because they're like four hours long. And because this is a show about Mondays,
0: what is the first word that comes to mind when I say Monday?
1: Ready. ready. Oh, okay. Tell me why. Um, because I, I love what I do. I love it. And I love doing it. And I'm just ready to go. Um, Saturday is usually my rest day. I don't generally, at this point, take a two-day weekend um, just because we have so much going on. So Saturday is my rest day. Sunday is my prep day. And then Monday, I am ready. And she's ready because she sets herself up for success. And while
0: we don't always recommend working six days a week, when you're in this world, sometimes it is required and it will pay off. And then you'll be able to have your two-day weekends. But ready for the week. As we start to kind of wrap this up, uh, I would love for you to let everybody know where they can follow you, your amazing journey get info on Bitewell as it launches in you know more markets so how do we how do we keep track of you and all the amazing things you're doing in your in your career in the world
1: yeah for sure so you can follow Bitewell on Instagram at Co. so at b i t e w e l l c o um, and then if you want to follow me my Instagram handle is at samantha citro alexander so samantha traditional spelling c i t r o alexander And we will link all
0: of that in the show notes, of course. And there are so many things you can learn from Sam. So I'm going to encourage you to do that. And we want to support BiteWell because we've had both you and Chris uh, as guests and, and for supporting us. All right. So we're going to take this home and get yet one more very practical piece of advice from Sam. What is your best recommendation for what our listeners can do to get one step closer to a more enjoyable career?
1: Think about what tool you want to add to your tool belt next write it down and go find a project or a job that gives you that tool. I like it. Stay it's the curious, it's the curious and seeking constantly
0: seeking those layers. I loved how you said that where you just want to build the tool belt to give you so that you have like uh, different ways to put it together and use it in the future. So I think that's really it's a strategic way to build your your experience and your qualifications and you all out there can do the exact same thing. Sam, thank you so much for joining me here on No More Mondays. It's always a pleasure to talk to people who love what they're doing for work. And I love that you actually said, I love what I do. And so you've been a great inspiration and given us some great action items. So thank you for being here and being part of the No More Mondays movement. Thank you for having me. It's been fun. I know. I have a feeling we're going to hear a little bit more from Sam. So for all of you out there listening, I would love for you to subscribe to No More Mondays wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating because it is a huge help as we continue to inspire confident professionals everywhere with amazing career stories like Sam. If you'd like to leave us comments, feedback, or drop a guest suggestion, please visit us online at nomoremondays.info. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No More Mondays. Tune in next week as we bring you more insights and actions to help you improve your professional life and find career satisfaction. Don't forget... Visit us online at nomoremondays.info for all the details, show notes, and recommendations from this episode. No More Mondays, we drop new episodes every Wednesday. No More Mondays is brought to you by Career Benders, Inc. in partnership with executive producer, Jane Durkee. For more information about career coaching, resume writing, personal branding, recruiting, and entrepreneurship coaching services, visit our website at careerbenders.com.